Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. In this episode, there's some black smoke rising. It's St. Vitus Hallow's victim, SST-52. And Brent, uh, Ryan, I know... Ryan, I'm sorry to yes. cut you off, but I have to correct you. You said that wrong. Okay, say it properly. Hallow's victim. <laughs> How was I on the black smoke rising? That was really good. Did you come up with yeah. that? No, man. That's 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 Saint Vitus lyrics. Is it? Did you even listen to this? Like a zillion times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I listen. I guarantee I listened to it way less, but um, I caught some lyrics. So there you go. Right on. Yeah, uh, I am though. Even though I'm not as much of a fan as you are of Saint Vitus, I am interested in getting into this this release. Every time we get into Vitus, learn something new and something dark. Yeah. So uh, very cool. Why don't uh, Why don't you hit me with some spiels? I don't really have any. I just have a question for you, Ryan. Oh man, let me lay this one on you. I've been thinking about replacements lately and i know they're like your favorite band ever uh they're in the top five for sure okay so i like the replacements i own every replacements album i some of them i like more but here's my question so i've been listening to that trouble boys audiobook i think i mentioned yep and i'm on the hoot nanny section okay yep and they're reading like reviews of it that came out at the time <laughs> yeah and and people are loving it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I've been reading the latest edition of Shindig magazine. And it has, like, their top 30, I think it is. I can't remember what they call it. Like, garage rock albums of the 80s. And, I mean, yep. it's, it's mostly bands like the Chesterfield Kings. There's a few glaring omissions, for starters. There's nothing by the Cynics or the Flesh Tones on this list, but... Uh, there's some other really great stuff on there. And and they kind of, you know, it's not just the Vox bands and stuff like that. It's uh, There's some other stuff on there, like some, you know, some punk stuff or whatever. But they list Hootenanny on there. And I'm just, I, I don't understand that album. I don't get why people like it. I mean, there's a couple good songs on it, but I would say it's by far my least favorite of the Twin Tone years and i even like you know tim and probably pleased to meet me better than hootenanny thoughts well first what was the top 30 it was top 30 garage rock uh hold on i have the magazine right here in shindig in shindig it's the top 30 shindig celebrates its 80th issue we figured it was high time we turned our attentions uh blah 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 to the 80s 30 key long players from the decade. And oh, okay. uh, I don't know. Because if they, you know, it's funny. If I, I thought I heard you say, you know, top 30 garage rock records. And well, I wouldn't call, yeah. I wouldn't call Unani a garage rock record. Well, no, I, there, there's other stuff on here. Wipers Over the Edge. There's the Long Riders, Soft Boys, Killer. Barracudas, Milkshakes. Killer. Hoodoo Gurus, The Vipers. Fuzz, fuzz tones, Red Cross, liars, stuff well, that, like that. That is that is pretty garage slanted, though. Yeah. Of a selection, yeah. so it's interesting. I mean, even even though it's not garage labeled, 
it's a garage type of selection. So two things. Uh, before I come to the defense of Hootenanny, one, I wouldn't call it a garage record. And two, I wouldn't put it in the top 30 of the 80s. There is a ton more stuff that was released uh, in the 80s that would be in the top 30. And to your point, all the other twin tone uh, replacements records should be in that top 30 before Hootenanny should. Okay. So I, I agree with you. But Hootenanny is still a good record. It's just not as good as, you know, Stink or Sorry Ma or Let It Be. It's got Color Me Impressed and Buck Hill. And it's got Within Your Reach. It's also got Run It. It's got a ton of great songs. It does have some throwaway tunes on it, though, like the song Hootenanny itself. But you almost have to appreciate, and not that you, not that you don't, but you have to appreciate the replacements' aesthetic and what they were. No, I I know like that's the, the, that's like why the, people like it, and I don't get that. It's like, yeah, it's, yay, they recorded a shitty album to be funny. Uh, well, again, it's not a shitty album, <laughs> but aspects of it were recorded on purpose to be funny. Yes, but it's not a shitty album. I will take Hootenanny, though, over... I take it over All Shook Down any day. Yeah, well, that's one I, I rarely listen to either, so... But I just... I don't I don't get what the fuss is about that album. Even even if Hootenanny only had Color Me Impressed on it, it's a astounding record. Have I convinced you? I don't know. I'll try it again, but... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, and Buck Hill, too. What a great tune. Yeah, and it's, you, it's good. Yeah, there's some and some great, like uh, Sorry Ma era type hardcore stuff like You Lose and and Run It. It's a good record. I agree though that if I was going to pick a replacements record to put in the top thirty, that's not the one. Yeah, can we agree on that? For sure. Yeah. Okay. Very good. We can still be friends then. Okay. What do I'm, you? That, that's all I have. What do you have? I don't really have any spiels, but I mean, maybe it's a bit of a a teaser for this blog you asked me to write. Oh, so you asked, and I mean, no commitments in terms of when this is actually going to come out. But you asked me to write because you know I'm a a bit obsessed with uh, Homestead and Dutch East India, that kind of uh, label. And that, especially the era in the 80s, early 90s, in the same way that I am with a lot of labels from back then, like SST, Discord, Touch and Go, Alternative Tentacles, the list goes on and on. But I have a lot of nostalgia for that type of stuff, a label, a scene. And uh, you asked me to write, you know, kind of my favorite, I think it was a top 10 Homestead releases, right? Yep. And I told you that I'm going to take this very seriously because yeah. i because i care a lot about it and i think it might actually be a little controversial so i am i'm listening to my homestead collection in alphabetical order and within alphabetical order chronological order in order to pick my top 10 and i'm only on d okay and i've almost got a top 10 wow well it might have to be like a top 20 or a top 30, and then I can be all like, no, <laughs> you picked the wrong membranes record. <laughs> hey? Yeah, maybe, maybe. 
But uh, anyways, I'm just super stoked. I love having uh, a good excuse to uh, to listen to SST stuff every week, and now I've got a really good excuse to listen to Hopestead stuff. I need more time to listen to music is my biggest complaint these days, but uh, it's a great complaint to have. Well, now it's on the record. You know, right on. You know, uh, people are going to be clamoring for that, Ryan. So, yeah, I highly doubt that. You better get on it. I'm well. I am on it. That's what I'm saying. I'm committed, but I'm super stoked because um, that label had some great stuff. They Homestead definitely had some duds too, though. Just like SST, there's some uh, some pretty. You know, listening to some stuff, I'm just kind of like, woo. All those labels, man. Alternative Tentacles. There's some killer oh, stuff oh. and some stuff where it's just like, what were they thinking? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Not everything is as good as Grong Grong on yeah. Alternative Tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like, actually. Hey, do you want to get into some Vitus? Uh, yeah, I do. History Lesson, Part 1. Okay, I've got some uh, really descriptive stuff here that I stole about St. Vitus that I really liked. I think I was telling you before that there's a, in Decibel Magazine, they did a top 100 Doom albums of all time. Right, right. This one is not in there, but the self-titled one is. It's number 59 on the list. Born Too Late, I believe, is in the top 10, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Myself, I think this one should be in there. I like this better than the self-titled one, but we'll get to that. But here's what here's some quotes I pulled from the uh, description of the self-titled album that are relevant also to this one. And the author's name is Jeff Wagner. Uh, he says, Armando and Mark bring the lurch, the dreadful, doleful fucking lurch. <laughs> Dave Chandler, whose wiry, audacious tone is basically a mirror image of his stubbly, bandana-secured afro, the guy looks as he sounds and sounds as he looks. I love this. He calls them the four horsemen of SoCal sloth, the never cool, never trendy representatives of losers, druggies, and degenerates everywhere. <laughs> and I mean, it's funny, but it's true. As far as trends go, like we're getting into the era now where Metallica is like the biggest thing in heavy metal. And, and Bay Area Thrash, Exodus, Slayer, uh, Megadeth going by this point. And everybody's trying to copy those bands. Lots of, you know, even like bands that have been around since the 70s, like Judas Priest and bands like that, Saxon, they're trying to, they're getting faster. And St. Vitus is just doing what they always did. This, this album, we'll get to it in a bit, has some really upbeat, uh, up-tempo songs on it. But they're still outliers in, it, it's really, in, in metal, it's really hard to think in these terms because there are so many Doom bands now. But back then, there were just very few and there was really no scene for this. So it, it's really cool that they, they just stuck to their guns the way they did. That's one of the things I really like about them. Like, there there was really no audience for the, for this band. They were kind of stuck between two worlds because they were... They're on this label, SST. There's nobody else really like them on the label that they can play with, but they're still playing with a lot of those bands. And they're just kind of stuck in this weird uh, no man's land. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the top 100 Doom releases, and you mentioned that on another episode. 
And what struck me this time around listening to St. Vitus, and you know this is not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but I wondered if this this would be the improper order, I suppose, to learn about this and get into St. Vitus. But I wondered if, you know, I listened to, correct me if I'm wrong, but a ton of bands were also influenced by St. Vitus, ultimately, right, in the Doom scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if, for example... I was given, you know, listen to these five Doom records of bands that were influenced by St. Vitus. And then I went back to listen to St. Vitus. I wonder if it would sink in a bit more for me. I don't know. It might sink in, but I don't think you would like it. And here's why. You like the Melvins, but you like them, I think, because they're way artier than a lot of these bands. Like some of my favorite Doom bands... Like, take a band like Candlemass, for example. The singer sounds kind of like Scott Riegers, more like uh, Bruce Dickinson from Maiden. Well, they've had a few different singers, but the lyrics are about sorcerers, wizards, dungeons and dragons. You're not into any of that kind of stuff. (laughs) And that's fair, right? Like fantasy lyrics. Or like, you know, a lot of the bands are like satanic lyrics and stuff like that which is not really your bag. And correct. Uh, myself, I grew up listening to Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and, you know, all those bands, Anthrax. So I'm conditioned to, you know, <laughs> like w- when I hear like songs about wizards and castles and all that kind of stuff, like it's totally, I love it. Right down to the album art, you know, whereas you probably just think that that's cheesy. What, this album art? No, no. In general, I'm speaking. And I mean, a lot of that stuff is cheesy, but that's what we like about it. You know, is that, is, I mean, I'm a huge Dio fan, but I, I know I know it's cheesy. I mean, like, I have a Dio DVD from the 80s from the Sacred Heart Tour where he, like, slays a giant mechanical dragon on stage. You know? Like, that's cheesy. But, but, <laughs> but I love it. You know? And that, there's a, that's part of metal history. And uh, you're not into any of that, and that's cool. But, you know, St. Vitus has a lot of that kind of stuff, like the the theatrics in the vocals, you know? And a lot, of, a lot of bands do that. Like, you think about some of the biggest bands in metal, like Dio, for example. Uh, some of the stuff, like the song Heaven and Hell that he did with Black Sabbath is very theatric, his, his vocal performance, or like Bruce Dickinson from Maiden, you have like Hallowed Be Thy Name, very theatrical. Scott Riegers, I think, excels at that, and which is one of the things I love so much about uh, this album and his vocals. Well, I guess the, the reason that I was thinking about like, maybe I should listen to some bands that were obviously influenced by St. Vitus to kind of understand their impact a bit better was because Again, when I listen to it, it's it's not too far off with what you're saying right now. I mean, I, I definitely recognize the, the theatrics, but it also just kind of sounds, you know, very Sabbathy to me. Yeah, it is. And, it is. And, like, and which it, and which it is, and when there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just kind of like, are these doom bands that were so influenced by St. Vitus, influenced by St. Vitus? Or by Sabbath, or both, maybe. Both, probably both. Probably I, both. It's like uh, it's like all those bands that copied the Ramones, right? Yeah. You know, like who did it first? 
I don't know, The Queers? Screeching Weasel? I don't know. Those kinds of bands. And you can take that all the way to the Riverdales or the Hanson Brothers, who made no bones about it, you know? Yeah. They were really overt about it, like used the Ramones logo and like wore leather jackets and did the count in and all that kind of stuff. Doom's like that too, right? Like this is, they, St. Vitus is not trying to hide the fact that they are, that Black Sabbath was a huge influence on them. Yeah, because I mean Chandler's guitar, the hammer-ons, every time he hits it, I'm just like, whoa, that's Sabbath. Yeah, but it's in the same way that, to me, it's impressive that he can write a riff like that. The same way, like those Riverdale's albums, I really like, you know, Storm the Streets, I think is a great record. I don't care if it sounds like the Ramones. That's what I like about it. And no, they're still it's still good songs. Yeah, and it's impressive that they can do that to me. The Hanson Brothers. It's impressive that they can write such good songs in such a with three chords. It's impressive to me that Saint Vitus, that Dave Chandler, can write these riffs that sound so much like Tony Iommi's riffs. Without yeah. without outright copying them, if I am, am I making sense? No, I understand. I mean, not copying, clearly influenced. Yeah, it's an but, it's an homage but, but for sure. It's yeah, but still also original. Yeah, is is the thing because I mean, if you couldn't write something new while being so heavily influenced, then you would be a ripoff. Yeah, they definitely have their own sound for sure, and a lot of that's down to Scott Scott Rieger's vocals. Hmm. So this one came out in 1985. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about, Ryan, came out in 86. So uh, I think this one was probably out of step with the rest of the catalog numbers, as we've seen a few times. Yep. Uh, one thing I noticed is that the publishing is not on Sestone, which is uh, Greg Ginn's publishing company. It's on Complete Music, which, I mean, must have been uh, Vitus's publishing a lot of this early SST stuff is on published on Sestone. So that's interesting because I only have a CD version. Right. I only have a CD version that has uh, The Walking Dead and Hallow's Victim on it. It says 1985 Sestone Music, 1985 SST. Hmm. That's the copyright. But this might be why. It also says... Like, my CD version is pretty new. It yep. says 2009 SST Records, 406 Talbot Street, Taylor, Texas. There you go. This is coming out when uh, Ginn has moved to Texas, and I don't think he gives two shits. Everything's on Sestone. Deal with it. Yeah, you could be right. Uh, I don't know. There's a, a bunch of different versions of this. It also came out on CD... Like SST never released this on CD, obviously when it first came out. No, mine is mine is SST CD number three seventy eight. Yeah, it came out in twenty ten on Church Within Records, which we've mentioned before. I think maybe they did a reissue of the first uh, Saint Vitus as well. It also comes with a bonus disc, Live in San, Di San Diego, nineteen eighty four. So, and, and SST had many, many versions of it. Some on colored wax. It came on, came out on SST UK. There's a lot of different versions of it. There's a version that came with a, uh, lyric, uh, sleeve. Mine doesn't have it, unfortunately, because it looks like it has lots of cool info on it, but I wasn't able to read it. 
online. I, I I did find it on Discogs, but I couldn't read it. So you have the vinyl? Yeah, but it doesn't have uh, doesn't have a lyric sheet, so it's obviously a later version. Yeah, my CD only has, in addition to kind of the credits on the back and a quote on the back cover, and I'll let you take us to it. It only has like a, a live shot on the inner sleeve. Right. And, yeah, mine doesn't uh, have that, and it doesn't have a quote on the back cover either. What's the quote? Oh, okay. It says, um, quote, listen to our tales of terror while you softly sleep dreams. While you softly sleep dreams. Oh, that se- it seems like a typo. Here, I'll start it again. Here's it. Here it is. Quote, listen to our tales of terror while you softly sleep dreams. Put you in fantasy nightmares. Make you gasp and scream, Saint Vitus. Maybe that's on the on the lyric sheet or something. Maybe it's lyrics. The live shot though is insane. We'll have to post it because you remember how you were describing Chandler before. Yep, that's pretty much what he looks like. He looks oh. like an afro, a bandana, and a Gibson SG. He's always rocking that bandana. Well, and so is the drummer too, right? He's got a band, looks like a bandana, a fro, and a handlebar mustache. Yeah. Scott Riegers, I didn't realize he had such a big golden mane of curly hair. Oh, yeah. He almost looks like uh, um, Robert Plant almost. Yep. And then uh, Armand, no, sorry, not Armando, Mark. Mark, Mark Adams. Yeah. He's uh, you can't you can't see his face. It's all full of hair. Awesome. And it's hard to tell what type of bass. I think he's playing a P bass, but in the back you can see. I don't know if it's his backup bass or someone's backup bass, but you can see the telltale headstock of a Rickenbacker bass back there. Okay. Well, uh, Joe Carducci produced this one again, along with Spot and Vitus. And so I asked Joe what his recollection of of the sessions were, and here's what he said. Uh, The main thing that distinguishes Hollow's victim is that we were able to schedule the recording for the day after they returned from tour. Vitus rotated two or three of this album's songs into their live sets each night on tour, so maybe every three dates they had played the whole next album. Nobody wants to play a lot of unfamiliar songs to a live audience, except for Greg Ginn. (laughs) Yeah. Joe, didn't, Joe didn't say that. That's my two cents. So often new recordings aren't fully worked out. Daily practice doesn't compare to touring. I think this album features the tightest playing by the band, and Armando is especially good on it. Soon after recording it, Dave came by SST's Lawndale office to play me the Obsessed demo because Scott Riegers had left the band and they were thinking of replacing him with Scott Weinrich, who was the singer in the Obsessed. Yep. I did find some stuff in a different Decibel magazine that I think I've also mentioned before. They have this Hall of Fame. They inducted Born Too Late into the Hall of Fame. So they interviewed all the members of the band, plus Joe Carducci for that. And again, we'll be getting to that sometime next year. But uh, they did ask in that interview why Scott Riegers left the band. Uh, They basically say it was down to financial hardships. Dave Chandler says it was always especially hard for Vitus, especially back then. And uh, Mark Adams tells a story. I guess it's funny now, but it probably wasn't too funny at the time. They left him at a rest stop on tour 
And uh, it seems like that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, I think he was already thinking of leaving because they were, you know, living in a van, basically, and not making any money. Apparently, Dave Chandler was driving and everyone else was sleeping, and he got out to, at a, like, a payphone at a rest stop to call the venue to get directions, and he didn't see that Scott came out to, like, take a piss or stretch or whatever. Oh, man. And when he got off the phone, he, he got back in the van and... <laughs> yeah oh, he man. uh whatever got a bus to the to the gig uh they did a few more gigs with him and then they dropped him off at a at a bus station and finished the tour with as a trio with with dave on vocals which is how they started the band by the way that's brutal yeah i wonder i wonder how long it took him to realize that their singer wasn't in the car yeah i don't know because everyone was sleeping right so oh my gosh uh, and it, but it's not the last we'll see of Scott Riegers in St. Vitus. The last we'll see of him on SST, but he did do an album with them in the, I think in the 90s, called Die Healing, which is really good. So is the St. Vitus in the 90s, does it still sound just like this, pretty much? It all, Yeah, it all sounds like this. Okay. Yeah. What about the sound quality? Or is this is this their sound no matter when they are? This is pretty much their sound. I mean, this sounds like a spot recording to me. A good one. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, their their albums from the '80s are, are are hit or miss in the '90s for sure. Sound quality wise, some sound better than others. To my recollection, Die Healing sounds really good. I like this one. I think it sounds good. Yeah, it strikes me though that I mean, Chandler obviously wanted his guitar to sound like this, just like on the prior releases by them that we've looked at. And even if you had a super high quality and like. You know, the cymbals are super buried and the guitar is super muddy sounding. So even if you had a high quality studio, you know, the fanciest, most expensive everything, if they wanted it to be produced to sound like this, it would still sound like this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of it's down to the guitar, guitar tone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the guy doesn't even know what a treble knob is, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Here's another... Uh cool thing I got from Joe Carducci. He says, when we were planning the next album, which is Born Too Late, SST 82, uh, Dave said something like, we did our punk album, the next one's going to be heavy metal. So St. Vi... <laughs> <laughs> which is the punk album? <laughs> this one. <laughs> Joe says, St. Vitus considered Hollow's victim to be their punk album. Uh, he says, I especially like how War Is Our Destiny turned out. It's another great spot job. He was about to move to Texas, but it's still not his last SST production. And Joe might be thinking, like, out of order, because I looked ahead, and I went as far as gone, and they were using Michael Boshears like crazy around this time, who they've already used. He did In My Head and Tom Tricoli's Dog, and I'm pretty sure he did the, ne the next Vitus album, Born Too Late. But I looked ahead and I couldn't find any more spot. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, well, it'll probably happen like long before we realize it. Maybe. You know, like, hey, we haven't seen spot for a long time. But let's keep an eye on if this is the last one. Yeah, I don't know. I thought he might pop up on some of the stuff that like this that was already recorded, like Swa or something like that. But no dice. I mean, he'll definitely be on some compilations and re-releases later on, of course. For sure. Yep. That's about all I have for History Lesson Part 1. You want to talk about the music and the cover art? Let's do it. 
History Lesson, Part 2. Side 1, War is Our Destiny, written by Dave and Scott. I think it's a great opening track. This song was released as a 12-inch promo LP. Same track on both sides. I asked Joe a little bit about that. He said, uh, yeah, they. this was the last one he thinks they did like that. Like that. They started doing uh, 45s after this with rubber-stamped sleeves. Yep. I've got a fair amount of those. Yeah. Apparently this one has a spot etching on it. It just says J. Robert Oppenheimer and slash Edward Teller. Huh. Oppenheimer's the father of the A-bomb and... Of the A-bomb, yeah. Edward Teller's the father of the hydrogen bomb, so... Huh. Maybe appropriate to the song, War is Our Destiny. Yeah. Good one. Uh, It opens with some feedback, and then the riff kicks in, and... Scott Riegers announces himself with a yow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I wrote for a band so closely associated with doom. Uh, This one's like a really new wave of British, British heavy metal sounding rager. It's kind of a mid tempo song. Armando's uh, fills rule on this one. He's using that ride again, but I like it. It works. Dave's got a killer solo. I like uh, right before the solo. Scott says, God help them. <laughs> you know how I mentioned that Chandler has a very Sabbathy sounding guitar, like his, his hammer-ons and stuff like that. Riegers has got, like, he doesn't sound like Ozzy. He sounds more like Dio, the way he sings, right? Yeah. With the vibrato. Sure. Yeah. There's probably some other singers that you know better than I would that he sounds more like, but it is kind of like, is it fair to say that they would be more influenced by the Dio era of Sabbath? Mm, no. Because I've only, I've only really ever heard like the first four Sabbath albums, and I've never heard anything else other than those four. Well, their first album with Dio, Heaven and Hell, is as good as anything they did with Ozzy, in my opinion. But it's more streamlined, for sure. Like, it's not as, it's not as doomy. You know, they tried to modernize a little bit, Sabbath did. They were getting their asses handed okay. to them by, you know, bands like Van Halen and, and stuff like that. So, And Metallica, too, eventually, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, here's some lyrics. Heavy metal wings shining in the night. Every inch is prepared for kamikaze flight. <laughs> uh, the second track, White Stallions, written by Dave Chandler. We've talked about this one before because it was on the Walking Dead 12-inch EP. It's the same version. I really like this song. It's another great new Wobbum style rager. Uh, I love the phaser effect Dave is using on this one. Armando is a beast on the drums, has a killer solo by Dave. And apparently, I missed this the first time around, but it's about, I read a few things that it's about shooting heroin. So I looked up the lyrics, and sure enough, here's the, here's the well, there's a part of the verse says, or the uh, chorus says, White Stallions in my vein. And then here's the last verse. Only time can ease the pain the stallions left behind. Tiny hoof prints on my arm, strung out in a line. Wish that I could start again and change my evil ways. Trapped upon the stallion's back till my dying days. Oof. Yeah. Definitely uh, definitely a Sabbath influence there. They have a lot of cautionary tales about hard drugs like uh, Snowblind and Hand of Doom, which is about heroin. So I'm just realizing something here as you're going through the song lists. Yep. 
the order of the songs is different on my version of the CD. Yeah, I know. We talked about that during the Walking Dead episode. Yeah. I didn't tweak onto it being different for this one, too. Interesting. Third track on side A, Mystic Lady. There is a bootleg uh, called the 1979 Tyrant Demo. We've mentioned before that St. Vitus was originally called Tyrant when they were a three-piece with Dave on vocals. And there are three songs on that one. Most of, most of them are on uh, the self-titled album, or ended up on there. But three tracks, White Stallions, Mystic Lady, and The Sadist are all on those demos. So they date back at least to 79. Mystic Lady kind of has a break in the middle and the tempo kicks up a notch. Dave comes in with this kind of wicked flanger phaser effect and goes into a really gnarly solo. I think his soloing has really improved here since the self-titled al album. Like it's less, before it was just like kind of crazy wah freakouts. These are more, the solos are more planned out, I would say, a little more structured. Uh, it's a pretty long solo. The total running time of this song is almost eight minutes. And then uh, towards the end, Armando does a big fill on the rototoms, and then it's back into that lumbering Sabbath riff with the trills. Then you flip it over, and we go into the title track, uh, written solely by Dave Chandler again. Starts out with this like slow, strummed chord, and then goes into this wild, almost Gin-esque riff. This is easily the fastest St. Vitus song that I'm aware of. It's a real banger. They re-recorded this for that COD album as Hollow's Victim Exhumed, they called it, with this guy Christian Linderson on vocals. The one I mentioned a few weeks ago that was produced by Don Dawkin. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that version's way slower and, and not nearly as cool as this one. Uh, then the next track is The Sadist. That's a co-write between Dave and Scott. So makes me think that maybe the lyrics are different because I think Scott, you know, he wasn't in the band when they originally wrote this for as Tyrant so he maybe rewrote the lyrics or or had some input on them anyways this is hmm. another another faster one by St. Vitus standards you know for a band known for their moody sludgy doom there's some really up-tempo cuts on this one maybe that's why they they call it their call punk it, album it's the punk album yeah yep. uh it's got more of a noisier solo than some of the other stuff on this one I like how uh the song ends you know, there's a long solo and a return to the main riff, and then Scott Riggers comes out of no nowhere and just goes, The Sadist! <laughs> the sixth track, second one on, or the third one on sign B, Just Friends, Empty Love, uh, written again by Scott Riggers and Dave Chandler. This is just more of the slower doom they're known for, probably my least favorite track on the album. And it ends with Prayer for the... M in brackets and then asses. <laughs> Masses. Dave Chandler wrote this one. Uh, this is epic Iomi worship going on here. Total Sabbath riff. Uh, love how it ends with Scott Rieger shouting, Amen! And then it kind of fades in twice with this like noisy, trippy stuff at the end of the record. I'm, uh, I'm starting to become more and more of a Vitus fan just by listening to you speak in metal during the episodes. <laughs> well, good. My plan's working. Yeah. That's all I have about the, uh, the music. I mean, I love this album musically. I would say 
I mean, this is without going back and referencing the list, but I would say we're what? What number is this? 52 or something like that? 52. 52. I would put this probably in my top 10 albums that we've listened to in the to- in in the first 52. No way. Way. Wow. You really like it that much, hey? I, I love this album. Again, <laughs> I say that without referencing the list so uh yeah I'm, I'm, I, I might have to revise that because you know did you I, say top 10 yeah perhaps you meant top 50 <laughs> it's really good man i like this album a lot yeah well i will say it's a cohesive record like it really sounds it doesn't i don't want to sound like you know they were trying to figure themselves out on the earlier releases because they they seem fully baked on their first release no pun but, intended yeah, yeah, I guess not. Yeah. But I mean, it definitely sound. I put it this way, they this record sounds fully realized. That's what I'll say. Yeah, you know, it's very solid. I, I know the other the self titled one gets a lot more acclaim than this one does, but I prefer this one. Hmm. The cover art, both uh, the front and back were picked were shot by Naomi Peterson. Yep. Joe says. I do cringe when I look at the cover since I wasn't knowledgeable enough to communicate with the film lab how Naomi's color infrared front and solarized black and white back cover should look. Once it was all done, I thought I should have made the back art the front cover and used the front image on the back. I'm cool with it. I think it looks fine, but I haven't seen the original photographs, so maybe they look way better. The first time that we looked at it, we don't know what Joe knows, right? Yeah, so that's right. It, it look, it's it's our first impression, and it fits. Yeah, I think the front makes them look like a doom band, you know? <laughs> I bet you there were a lot of... I mean, if there are as many bands that were influenced by St. Vitus, there are probably as many bands that are pretty uh, influenced by this inadvertent cover art style. Yeah, that's it. I'm ready to do the ballot result. Take it away. Ballot result. Do you have one? Actually, I mean, if I was going to pick one, I don't mind that uh, that song that I was quoting from before, and I thought it was Mystic Lady. So that's the one that I would choose, but I don't come anywhere near to the appreciation and fandom of this band that you do. So you must choose, not me. Well... The reason I ask is because I'm having a hard time choosing between War is Our Destiny and White Stallions. I really like both of those songs. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, recite some of the lyrics in, in, in metal voice, and that'll help. <laughs> Maybe. We are going to get another crack at some of these songs. There's a compilation that SST put out called Heavier Than Thou. I don't have it in front of me, but I do have it, and I'm not sure... I think it's pretty heavy on the wino era. I'm not sure what all's on there for, for Scott Riegers. Hold oh, on. Oh, you mean that? It's like it's a St. Vitus compilation. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, okay. Hold, hold the line, Ryan. Hold on. Holding. Okay, I have grabbed my copy of it here. We could run into the same problem when we get into the wino era, where I want to grab some songs off this, but it does have... It's definitely heavy on the wino era especially Born Too Late, which is generally considered their their best album. But it's got a few songs off the first one and a few off of this one as well. 
War is Our Destiny and White Stallions. I'm going to pick uh, War is Our Destiny just because Joe Carducci really likes that one. Right on. Props to Joe. Yeah, thanks again, Joe, for uh, all your input. It's it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, it's a real treat, actually, because, I mean, you know, we've said this from the start, and we say it a million times, but we're just a couple of dudes who really like music, really like the label, and sometimes we wouldn't have a that much to say if we didn't have people like Joe or all the other people who have contributed and been on the show. So thanks again. Yeah, it's awesome. Ryan, what's next week? Next week is SST 53, the SWA full length, your future, if you have one. Very cool to get into this one. We've heard from SWA on Blasting Concept 2, but this is the first time that we're going to look at one of their full lengths. So very interested in that. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.